0: I was really thinking about what to share because some of the similar passages every year kind of come up, right? Some of the similar Mother's Day and Father's Day and all these things, they still, no matter what, every year, Mother's Day, Father's Day, they're special days because God has called each one to be one, to be a something different and If you're here today and you're not a father, or if you're watching online and you're not a father, but you're a father figure to someone, know that we're talking about you as well. Maybe for some of you this morning, this is a rough Father's Day because this is the first Father's Day that you lost a loved one or lost your father or lost a father figure. I've lost not just my father, but I lost several father figures through my life. And I know it's never easy. You know, so... I wish to God I can pick up the phone today and call my dad and wish him a happy father 's Day. Some of you still have that opportunity. Take it while you have it. even if you 're uh, estranged, something 's wrong, something's broken there, pray to the Father today, the Father, that you would restore that relationship so that you can make that phone call because there are people like myself standing here today that wish they could make that phone call. So as I was uh, researching what God gave me for you this morning, I came across this awesome story that I actually kind of remember as a kid happening live, or um, recent rather, in the recent news. Professional baseball has always been a great part of America since 1875. And there were two particular players that I wanna talk about for a moment. On September 14, 1990, something happened that had never happened ever or ever since. Ken Griffey Sr. was part of the Reds and he was traded to the Seattle Mariners where his son was playing in his first year, Ken Griffey Jr., Now, why is that so special? That's special because father and son are playing together. Yes, that would have been special in and of itself. Yes, father and son playing on the same team together on the highest level of the highest competition. That alone is a great story, right? But it goes even further than that. Ken Griffey Jr. was a, a leadoff batter and he was leading off the inning. And in fact, I think it was the game. Ken Griffey Jr. got up to bat Slammed the ball so hard as he did so many times later in his career as well. And he slammed this ball way out, giving himself, you know, hitting a home run way out there deep in the field, on uh, the outfield. So he hits this home run, crosses the plate. Ken Griffey Sr. comes up, gets up to bat, slams a home run almost to the exact same spot that his son did. Later they were interviewing Ken Griffey Sr., Ken Griffey Jr., and they asked the junior, what did your dad say to you when you crossed the plate? Because they met each other at the plate. And he, said, he later said that his father greeted him at the plate by saying, now that's how you do it, son. <laughs> it's an incredible story because uh, for a, a, a parent to be at a recital, right to be at a uh, an academic competition on the, the ball field or even some spiritual setting I, i'll never forget you know a, a few months ago when we had a service on a sunday night and everybody in my family and my household was doing ministry at the same time all five were doing ministry at the same time my son was on drums. My daughter was singing. My son Josiah was back there, you know, clicking away on the computer. My wife was singing, and I'm here, and I'm preaching. You know, I'm in the service, right? And if anything, they were doing a lot more than me, because that, that night we had a guest speaker, I believe. But we were all in the service to watch my entire family do it together. That's a, that's a blessing. And that's something I never experienced in my life. That was the, at least the one time that I could remember. I don't know that I could record it. Anything other the time where all of my kids were ministering at the same time. And I actually posted it on Instagram saying, what a blessed man I am. It's a blessed thing to see that. And for Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. to share that moment and us watching, it was a very special moment. So for all the fathers here today and the father figures here today, I want to ask you a question before I go into my message. What kind of father does God expect us to be? What kind of father does God expect us to be? So this morning's message is entitled, Hold Your Ground. Hold your ground. So as you're with me, the media team, follow me please. We look at hold your ground and it's very important that we understand that when we fight for our families and our homes, we fight for something more than just A little bit of elbow room we fight for the entire home so that the enemy has no place in our home amen so today I want to tell you hold your ground hold your ground Psalm 127 tells us this for those of you that have your Bibles turn with me to Psalm 127 Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles, turn there. I want you to see this. We're going to actually read 1 through 4, but 5 does apply as well. I'm going to read to you Psalm 127, 1 through 4. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, The watchman stand guard in vain. In vain you will rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Amen. How many like sleep? How many feel that's the Lord's blessing to you? Sometimes, yeah? Okay. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those who love. Verse 3. Now sons are the heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. What I want to talk to you about for a moment about this morning is, I like this one last verse on verse 4. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. What does that mean? Parents, you are the ones that direct your children and the direction that they will fly. Like arrows, you will direct them. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Who's the warrior? The parental figure. And in this case, for this morning's message, the fathers. Fathers, you are the ones holding your children's direction. Now, will they go astray sometimes? Sometimes that arrow has a little dent in it. And you know, we're all dented in some way. We all have our issues in some way, shape, or form. We all have things we're trying to overcome. But on this Father's Day morning, on this day, I want to tell you, fathers, listen to me. Your children are like an arrow in your hand. You are the ones that direct them. You are the ones that shoot them in the direction that they are to fly. So what am I saying to you today? I want to tell you that today, as it being Father's Day, and in hopes of helping women all across America, I have consulted the men's thesaurus. (laughs) And with that, I want to share with you a couple things. Allow me to translate for your future and your benefit what men are kind of trying to say when they say certain things. Are you with me? I would like to point out that these aren't 100% true for every person. However, some of these statements may be awfully familiar to you. So here's my men's thesaurus. Are you ready? Say yeah. Yeah. That's not 100%. Are you ready? Say yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're going to like this, Jeff. Here we go. When a man says... It will take too long to explain what does he mean. He often means I have no idea how this thing works. Men's the source. I'm helping ladies out. I'm building marriages all across America. When a man says take a break honey you're working too hard. He means I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. When a man says, that's interesting, dear, he means, are you still talking? I track. I lost track. <laughs> when a man says, it's a guy thing, he means there's no rational thought pattern connected with this, and you have no chance at all at making it logical. <laughs> Some of you are shaking your head a little too much. When a man says, can I help with dinner, he means, why isn't it ready? I'm starving. When a man says, sure, honey, or yes, dear, he means, absolutely nothing, it's a conditioned response. When a man says, you know how bad my memory is, he means... I can't remember the I can remember the theme song to Hogan's Heroes, the phone number of the first girl I ever dated, and the vehicle identification number of every car I've ever owned. But yes, that date slipped my mind. When a man says, "I hear you," he means, "I haven't the foggiest clue what you just said. I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it well enough that you may be convinced." <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, Pastor Tony. When a man says, you look terrific, he means, oh, please don't try on one more offer. We're late and I am starving. (laughs) Some of you are shaking your head a lot right now. Even through the lights, I could see it. When a man says, I am not lost, I know exactly where we are. It means no one will ever find us alive again. When a man says, I don't think I can even go today, he means shopping is not a sport, and no, I'm never going to think of it that way. It's a true story. (laughs) When a man says, I don't remember saying that, it means anything I have said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument, and in fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. (laughs) When a man says, don't fuss, I just cut myself, it's no big deal. What he really means is, I have probably severed a limb, but I will bleed to death before I admit that I'm hurt, so get over here and help me. <laughs> I'm hoping marriages. Last but not least, when a man says, that's not what I meant, he means, if something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, I meant the other one. I'm not gonna lie, some of this is true. But for the record, men and women are very different. But here's what I want you to understand: something. Your children need both of you. That's why you're so different. Why are men and women so different? Not just biologically different. We're just different. We operate different. We help differently. We 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 encourage differently. We hand firm differently and for a moment this morning I want to talk to our fathers because dads are very different than moms but we're often pressured to be the unemotional ones let me tell you something there's times I get emotional when my kids do stuff and I'm not afraid to tell them and I'm not afraid to tell you because if I lose all sense of emotion I lose the sense of humanity that is in me don't be a robot fathers don't be a robot Your children don't need a robot. If they needed a device, that's what they have their phones for. They need a person that will love them through their mistakes and their victories. Are you with me? Through their mistakes and their victories. Most fathers take remarkable pride in providing for their families. And I love that but we have to remember in light of eternity what does it mean to provide. If it just means to work and never to be a part of this spiritual journey, you've mistaken what it means to really lead your family. Are you with me? To lead your family is more than just I put in 80 hours a week at work. I don't see you do anything and I don't acknowledge anything you're doing because I'm too busy providing. Listen, listen, I take very personal that idea. We need to provide for our families. And if it's a two-income household, then you need to provide together. But understand something, nothing will ever take the place of you as a father in your home. Children need a father. They need that male figure in their lives. And I've been in youth ministry for over 20 years. And I'm telling you right now, that many a times, I've sat down with students and I sit with them and I talk with them. And a lot of times, if you trace everything back, you'll find that many of these issues are because they didn't have a father in their lives. Now hear me and hear me closely. I'm going to say this once and I'm not going to repeat it over and over again. This doesn't make fathers better than mothers. I'm speaking to the fathers today, so that's what I'll address. And when you look back at the line of where that problem lied, it's because there wasn't a father. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I'm a single mother raising my kids. I don't, they don't have a male figure in their life. That doesn't mean that you can't get active in your church and find, because let me tell you something, they want it, they'll, they'll seek out somebody, and if, they're, if they don't have a spiritual place, guess what? They're not going to find it in their schools necessarily. Hello? Not the way the school system's running, and I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of organizations out there trying to wipe out the fathers, trying to wipe out the husbands, trying to wipe out the male role model in their lives. You do the research and you find out which they are. And I'm telling you they're real and they're right on your doorstep. Telling you you don't need fathers in their lives. Telling you that they're okay with this and that and two mommies and two daddies and this, that. They need a mother and they need a father. I'm not going to wish-washy. This is what the word of God said. He created the male and female. Why? Because we need both in our lives. And men, take your place and hold your ground. I found some pictures that I thought were remarkable. Pictures say a thousand words. Look at this first one real quick. What does it mean to be a father? It means shielding your children from the fiery darts of the enemy that come from all directions. Shielding your family. From the things that can harm your children. With one arm, you're fighting off the things of the world. And the other one, you're showing your daughter what it means to be loved. How many women are in the porn industry today because their fathers weren't handing them flowers, teaching them how to be loved? I'm going to tell you how it is today on Father's Day. Go to that second picture. There's a flood, and that, friends, is a flood of information. That flood is a flood of where do I find out who I am? You know who, who's able to speak into their life like nobody else? Fathers. You're able to speak to them from the top down. You are God's extension, boy. And some of you ladies know what I'm talking about because you had a father that spoke into your life in a way that you're blessed to and you can look back and go, man, I had a father that loved me and cared for me and showed me what it meant to love and to be loved. See, you can be taught how to love, but many people walk around today not knowing how to be loved. All, all they know is how to be abused or bossed around or pushed around. They don't know how to be loved. There's a voice that comes from the Father that often the earthly fathers can be an extension of. That's what we're called to be. And that picture is another picture by this wonderful uh, artist. And they painted a wonderful picture. That's why Genesis tells us that God made man in his image after his likeness. And he made them and he gave them dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and the cattle and over all the earth. We're called to have dominion. Stop allowing things to rule your life that God never intended to rule your life. Hello? It's getting real quiet up in this piece, but it's all right. I'll keep chucking. I'm just chucking truth at you, letting you know that there is hope when you have, you have a godly father today, I want you to call that father up and I want you to tell them. I want you to talk to them face-to-face. If it means FaceTime, Facebook, whatever, get to them. Tell them face-to-face, thank you for investing in me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for showing me and you fill in the blank. Tell them. See, God trusted us so much that he gave dominion over every living thing. That means he had high hopes for men, didn't he? He had high hopes for us. He understood that there was something that needed to happen. And he entrusted us with the, to name the animals. That was a start. Adam did, right? He trusted him to name the animals. Let's look at Genesis 2 for a moment. Second chapter of the first book of the Bible. Genesis. Turn there. I'll give you a moment. First book Of the Bible, Genesis, second chapter, I want you to see this, chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. It is not good, and God said, it is not good for man to be alone, and I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. For Adam was not found, uh, for there was not found a helpmeet for him. In other words, he did this all by himself. See, men are capable? Why are you laughing? I'm just saying, verse 21. And the Lord <laughs> And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. That happened to me yesterday, right after the yard sale. A deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord Lord God had given for man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. And and Adam said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That's awesome. We named the woman, just so you know, that was pretty cool. We're still naming stuff. Naming animals. Then he made a, another human out of us. And we're like, hey, I get to name that too. We're capable. I'm tired of TV painting men as incapable of doing things. I'm, tick, I'm sick of it. Can I be honest with you? I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I've, I'm putting aside human for a moment. I'm sick of seeing television shows making men look like dummies. We're capable. We're able. And we speak well, God has spoken us to speak, given us to speak. We can do that. And what's interesting is, in like manner, we have to name those threats in our family. Hello? They are threats to our family. We have to name those things, just like we name animals and we name women. Guess what? God gave Adam insights that I believe he's given men today. To name things. And if there's something going on in your children's life, whether it's pride, whether it's uh, lust, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, you as a father need to name those things too. Call them out. You need to, name. God has given you the ability to name things. And that's why as a father, sometimes you have to call a meeting together, get everybody, but dad, why do no, come to the living room, we sit down, we talk. And when you sit down, you name those things. Because that's what God gave man the ability and the power to do, to name things. And if there's something going on in the house, I have the duty and the obligation, look at me, and the responsibility to name that thing. What is it that's attacking your home? Let's name it, let's address it, let's not ignore it or sweep it under the rug. Men have been naming things since the beginning and it hasn't stopped today because some men are naming things that are not of God and that's why our families and our homes are sometimes in disarray because God has given you the power to name things. And if you know what, we're struggling. We're this. We're that. If you start naming that in your home, guess what you're going to do? You're going to struggle because you named it. You named it. You're going to struggle with some things. If you, if you have faith, you know what you need to do? Fathers, you need to speak faith into your family. Speak faith into your children. When my kids have those moments of discouragement, no, 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 you're not that. I know and I've seen you do better. You're better than that. If they do something wrong, you don't do that because you're better than that. I'm not calling them that. I'm calling them better. I'm calling them to rise up. I'm calling them because I, as a father, have an obligation to hold my ground. And call those things out for what they are. I have an identity calling ministry as a father. The problem is there are a lot of people going through this world with an identity crisis, not an identity calling. There's too many issues around the world today. People want to forget who they are. God created you a certain way. Follow that. And let it be so. I found an interesting story. On March 13, 1964, at approximately 2.30 in the morning, a woman named Genovese left the bar where she worked and began driving home. She was waiting in a traffic light, which, and then a man by the name of Winston Mosley was sitting in his parked car. Genovese arrived home uh, Genovese arrived home about 3.15 and she parked the car about 100 feet from her apartment door. She was walking toward the apartment complex and Mosley, who had followed her home, armed with a knife, approached Genevieve, stabbed her twice in the back. Several neighbors heard her scream. Somebody looked out the window and said, leave her alone. Mosley ran away. Genevieve, who had already been stabbed twice in the back, crawled her way to try to get to her apartment to get help. Mosley later returned with a hat on Later sexually assaulted her, stabbed her even more, and then flew and then fled the scene. He left, and nobody came in that whole time until the end. Somebody finally, the attack lasted about half an hour, and the incident occurred four years before New York City had implemented its 911 uh, emergency call system. One witness called two of his friends to ask him what he should do. Didn't do anything himself, just called friends to ask what he should do. The police arrived an hour later after the incident had taken place. She later died on route to the hospital. And let me ask you this question. What if somebody would have opened their mouth and did something earlier? What if somebody would have stepped in and they saw something, they identified it and and took things into their own hands? But the problem is, is that we private our lives so much that we often let everybody do their thing and I'll do mine. But what if you start speaking out? What if you start calling out? Maybe Genevieve would have lived to tell her story. She died that day a horrible death because people wouldn't step up and speak out. I'm telling you today, That we need to be a people that speak out. And fathers, specifically, if someone would have done something from the beginning, this woman would have survived. And this horrible tragedy may not have ended the way it was, but nobody held their ground. They just said, hey, stop that. But nobody did anything. Fathers, today I challenge you do more than just say something, call it out, but do something that will allow your family to achieve that next level of spiritual uh, maturity. Not just watching from a distance, because that's what happened on that day. A sad, sad story, I know. It's a sad story. When I read it, I contemplated even sharing it. But the truth is, it's a real story that happened. And they actually, this story actually pushed the 911 thing to happen sooner than it did. Fathers, you are the Heavenly Father's voice. To your children. Know you're not perfect, but you're His voice. Know that today, amen? I realized that we had to hold our ground. So today I tell you, hold your ground. Somebody say, hold your ground. Hold your ground. Now I realize that when Jesus walked this earth, let me share this with you because if Jesus had entered into one of our modern cities today, he would have been arrested immediately. Why? <laughs> In a lot of ways, I believe that Jesus would have been in a whole lot of trouble than he did back in then. But why? Because there's so many restrictions. Why? The FDA would have wanted Jesus for, for turning water into wine without a license. The EPA for killing fig trees. Environmental Protection Agency. He killed fig trees. Arrest him. The AMA for practicing medicine without a license. The Department of Health for asking people to open grades for, raise, for raising up dead people. The NEA for teaching without a certificate. OSHA for walking on water without a life jacket. The SPCA for driving hogs into the sea. The National Board of Psychologists a psychiatrist, rather for giving advice on how to live a guilt-free life. <laughs> the N.O.W. for not choosing a woman disciple. The abortion rights league for saying whosoever harms the children is better for them than never been born. The interfaith movement for condemning all other religions. I'll touch that one, and I'll touch it good. There is one faith, one Jesus, and there's one heaven under whereby we're going to, and one name that saves us to get there. By the way, the zoning department, would have God on Jesus for building mansions without a permit, but that's another thing. As a father, I realize that I have an obligation to speak into my family, so today I tell to you fathers, hold your ground. Joshua said it like this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of the forefathers serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites and whose land you're living. But as for me, come on somebody, but as for me and my house, say it with me, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, listen, you do you. That's fine. But just know that for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Father, you have the right to decide what happens in your house. Not only a right, but a responsibility. I say to you again, hold your ground. Hold your ground. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. A lot of parents quote this one. But they miss out on certain key points. Let me read them for you. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise. We're good with that. That it may be well with you and you live long days. But then we stop there and forget verse four. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm guilty when I know that something bothers my kids, like dancing in public, they're at the age where they know this. It's easy to embarrass them. So I'm like, so this bothers you? If I do this? So, this bothers you? And they're like, Dad, no, stop. Not here, not now. <laughs> Cringe. That's the word I think they use, right? It's like, I'm not allowed, yeah, okay, we're not allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah, apparently, there's words I'm not allowed to say. If something's a little suspicious, I'll say, That's a little sus. And they're like, Dad, stop, stop, stop. I'm like, What? That's sus. Dad, stop it. When did I I become uncool? I don't know. Somebody didn't inform me. (laughs) Well, we want to focus on the first part of that text. Listen, we got to be careful. Because everything that they're seeing you do, they're giving themselves permission to do themselves. And that whole do as I say, not do as I do, it doesn't work. God has called you to follow. And so here's my thought. It's time to hold your ground. And if media team could help me with something real soft in the background, I want to share with you a thought. When you constantly, fathers, I'm talking to you for a moment. Listen to me closely. When you constantly bail out your kids, when they do something wrong, you bail them out. You're not helping them. When you don't set godly standards, you're not helping them. When you set standards that you don't even follow, you're not helping them. You are to love your child unconditionally, yes. But you're supposed to lead by example. Man, if you have biological children or stepchildren, you need to be the example. For those of you that are individuals in this place that maybe you are... kind of processing where your role is. You have people that you kind of mentor. You're not sure. Everyone should be speaking into somebody else's life in some way. If you call yourself a mature believer, hear me? If you call yourself a mature believer, you have to be pouring into somebody else. So let me talk to the fathers for a moment. Your children are to be poured into because if you're not pouring into them, somebody else is. Find someone that can help be that filler in your home. Now, it may not be someone that you're seeing, but bring them to the house of God and let them see what real worship looks like, what gathering looks like. Because while we're not perfect, we figured out some things and that loving Jesus is key in everything we do. Amen? Amen. Worshiping God. You cannot go wrong when you stand next to your children and you say, listen, I I, I want you to just worship with me. Stand with me and worship in reverence of God. The more you revere God, the more they will revere God. The less you revere God, the lesser they will revere God. That's the way it works. There's no middle ground. So I want to share this with you for a moment. If you're a father or a father figure in this room, stand with me. If you're a father or a father figure in this room, stepdads, mentors, biological fathers, of course, or there's people in your life you're speaking into, stand up to your feet. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you right where you're at to slip and stand over here at the front with me. Come, each and every one of you if you can. Come. I want to speak to you for a moment. And I want to ask you a question before we close out this service. Fathers, you are a direction setter. I talked about it earlier, right? I talked about how you are the one that pulls the arrow. You are the one that sets the direction. Let's set that picture real quick if you don't mind media team help me out with that first picture children youth no matter what age they're looking for direction but before they can find the direction you have to find yours right you can't lead them places you've never been we got a chance to do the father son thing this uh two weeks ago right now it was actually it was like last Saturday, right? It was about a week a week or so ago, eight days ago or so. We went out there, and I knew nowhere where I was, right? We went out there, and it was, you know it was a, a Dusty's a family's place out there, and we were out there, and we took the sons out there, and, and we were out there just camping. We had a great time. We went walking. We did a whole bunch of cool things, and but there was oftentimes I when I didn't know what was going to go next, I would say Dusty. I would look to Dusty because Dusty had been there. Right? Dusty was there. That, he, he's been there for years, right? And I said, Dusty, where is this? Or Dusty, how do we go here? Or what are we gonna go there? And he had it all laid out and perfectly, wonderfully. It was awesome time for those men that did not go this year. You want to go next year. A father-son overnight camping trip. We had a blast. We climbed rocks, we all kinds of crazy fun stuff we did, right? But I I say all that to say that I I lean toward Dusty because he had been there. So what I thought about weeks ago, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, before we even prepared, before I even prepared this message, was about direction. And that arrow thought came to my mind as I was preparing this. I said, you know, what does that mean? Well, the truth is that you have to ask yourself a question, and that question has to do with direction. And I'll get to the question in a moment. So, if you'd allow me, what we have here is a keychain. You say, oh, I have a lot of keychains. It's okay. This one is a compass and it has a very special thought that I wanted to leave with you. This. And here's the question I want to pose to you Who is determining the eternal spiritual direction of your family? Who is determining the eternal spiritual direction of your family. If it's not you, then who? So what we wanted to do today for all the fathers, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab that box right now. Each of you grab a box. Each of you across the front here. Grab a box. Help hand those out if you don't mind. Take a moment and open them up for just a second. And I want you to look at this. Ladies, look at this for a moment. I need you to understand something. Can someone pass one back to John over there, John? Get one back there. Right here. North, south, east, and west. How can you lead your family when you don't know which way to go yourself? Can I tell you something? What we want to do here today and what I'm trying to symbolize here today to you is the only way you can get direction is coming to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ the altar is often a depiction of the the feet of the throne of God it's 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 a depiction of the, the the father's throne and so today I ask you to come forward and I ask you to take one of these because only at his feet can you receive direction which way is north which way is south which way do I turn from this point Friends, look at me, fathers and spiritual fathers and mentors, each one of you, no matter who you are, you will direct people by the way you judge and determine your life. So we give this to you as a gift to remind you that you are the directors of the spiritual journey of your family. If you're not taking a hold of the spiritual things, guess newsflash, they're probably not going to want to either. There's some exceptions to that. I get it. But you are called to be this. The directors. But how do you take them places you've never been? That's where coming to the altar constantly says, this is my way of getting direction from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? So when you came forward and you received one of these, receive it, understanding that this is is not just a gift from me. This is a directive from the kingdom. You have a kingdom directive and a responsibility to direct your family.